OTAs in full swing. Who are the best three players on the Lions, period? And Dan Campbell speaks on a Thursday, Locked on Lions. You are Locked on Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the first day of June, everybody. June 1, a Thursday, Locked On Lions, and a Friday, June 2nd, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us. Matt Derry with you as we talk Detroit Lions football. Thanks to the everydayers that are out there. A lot of you are hitting me up on Twitter at Derry Speaks or on the Matt Derry Facebook fan page. Hey, I'm an everydayer. I'll read a bunch in the next few days. But uh, thanks, everybody, for checking us out, listening wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Derry Speaks, like I said, at Locked On Lions on Twitter. Matt Derry Facebook fan page where we post the podcast every day. And shout out to everybody watching on our Locked On Lions YouTube channel where you can watch for free and subscribe. Coming up on the show today, our buddy Trevor Sykema, who was on on Tuesday uh, from Pro Football Focus, put out a piece today about the top three players on every team. And it's interesting who he chooses for the Lions. We'll get into that momentarily coming up on the show. OTAs are in full swing week number two. Media present for today. Dan Campbell spoke today. And there's a couple of injury concerns and one that I'm just, I'm almost ready to throw in the towel on. We will explain coming up momentarily here on the program as well. Also uh, today here on Lockdown Lions, uh, an overview of Detroit sports. Something that happened last night that puts perspective into what the Lions have done. We'll get into that momentarily as well right here on Locked On Lions. But uh, thanks for making us your first listen and checking us out again wherever you get your podcasts. Um, should I start with news of the day? No, let me let me just push this back. I want to get into this Pro Football Focus article. As you guys know, I'm a PFF.com junkie. We have plenty of their analysts on the air. I'm enjoying going on there. Anytime I need a reference point of grades or how players performed, rankings. I love pro football focus. I think they are fantastic. I just think they cover the NFL very well. And Trevor Sikama, who is, uh, used to be on this network and has done a bunch of scouting and, and has done work for the draft network is now at PFF. And he was on, on Tuesday, but he put out an article today about the top three players on every lions team or every team. The lions of course were included. The lions are in the NFL last I checked. And I thought it was kind of interesting so, like, for example, just to give you, you know, like the Dallas Cowboys, their top three players. It's pretty simple. Micah Parsons, C.D. Lamb, Zach Martin. All right. The Browns, Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, Miles Garrett, all have been pro bowlers. Bengals, easy, right? Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. You look at the Lions, and if I would have looked at this, if I, you know, if I hadn't had looked, if I had not looked at this list before, I would have said, the Lions' top three players are Amon Ross St. Brown, Frank Ragnow, and probably Aiden Hutchinson. That would have been my guesses. Trevor writes for the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson, Panay Sewell. I was like, all right, interesting call. Trevor writes, quote, Watching Detroit's young talent go from a fun story to a serious contender in 2022 was enjoyable to follow. 
St. Brown recorded an elite 90.3 receiving grade in the Lions' high-powered offense. Hutchinson finished his rookie season strong, earning an 86.1 pass rush grade from Week 13 on. As for Sewell, he has been steady and solid as a young right tackle, showing all the signs of taking a major leap forward into elite play in 2023. Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow were also considered for one of these spots, as well as Jared Goff, who is playing some of his best ball under offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. I mean, Frank Ragnow is an elite center. I'm not sure Panay Sewell, who is very good, don't get me wrong, Panay Sewell is awesome. But Frank Ragnow to me is multi-years in the Pro Bowl, uh, multiple years in the Pro Bowl, Really, really solid. And again, it's tougher to grade and pick centers and interior linemen as opposed to, you know, tackles. But my 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 guess my major point on this is that the Lions, the, the fact that we consider and argue whether Frank Ragnow should be on the list, whether Taylor Decker should be on the list with Trevor Rote, and also consider Jared Goff, that's six names. When's the last, you know, even even decent Lions teams, you always knew it was like Stafford, Calvin, and Sue. And then there was a giant jump between three and four. All right. Last few years, you had to really scratch your head to come up with a, a, a top three. Amonra St. Brown has only been here two years. Aiden Hutchinson has only been here one year. And Panay Sewell's only been here two years. Before that, and after Calvin retired, it was Stafford and what? Crap. T.J. Hawkinson, maybe. Who who on the defense has been a, a star or a stud over the last few years, right, that, that you could name? I guess Ragnow has been around a little bit. So is Taylor Decker. But now you're talking about six names, St. Brown, Hutchinson, and Sewell, who Trevor mentioned, and then also consider Goff, Decker, and Ragnow. There's some depth to this franchise. Jonah Jackson, you could argue. Really good interior lineman. You could make a case for. Um, you know, I'm not saying Tracy Walker is really, really good, but if he's healthy this year and has another year where he's excellent, you know, a guy like Cam Sutton is going to maybe be that shutdown corner and that leader in the secondary, along with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I'm looking up and going, man, the Lions have some depth. And I will say this about Amon Ross St. Brown being number one. This is his team. This is Amon Ra's team. Maybe there's a reason the Lions haven't gone out since the Jamison Williams suspension and signed another receiver, signed DeAndre Hopkins, traded for somebody. I know they got Marvin Jones, more of a bit player. But I think the Lions know and understand that their best player is the sun god, that he's the leader of the offense, he's the leader of the team, and as long as he's healthy, that offense will click because he's that good of a football player. Only two years into his career. PFF graded him out as the number 15 best receiver in all of football. You could make an argument. He's had better seasons the last two years than DeAndre Hopkins, who was 12th, and others who were in front of him. But he's number one on the list, and it's not even close. Like, yeah, well, Ragnow's been to more Pro Bowls. Fine. Sewell's a, a road-grading right tackle. Sure. But when in doubt, even when he has a, 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 a quiet game, you look up and go, man, Amon Ross St. Brown's got six catches for 95 yards and a touchdown? 
Where did that come from? How did that happen? He is, he's an elite player. And so I'm excited about this team and I'm excited about that list. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, one other note on this top three list. You want to ask yourself about the Minnesota Vikings, right? That's who the Lions are chasing in the division. That's who won the division last year. Justin Jefferson came in number one, Daniil Hunter and Christian Derisaw. Number one, Derisaw is a very good run blocker and had a good year last year, but I need to see more consistency. But number two, Justin Jefferson is the Vikings' best player. How about Justin Jefferson is sitting out OTAs and is not showing up in Minnesota at the moment? Now, Kevin O'Connell, their head coach, says, ah, they're, 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 they're voluntary anyway. But Amon Ross St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson, Panay Sewell, these guys are all there. These guys are all participating. That tells you about the state of the Lions right now. And even when it's voluntary, they're in good shape. So I thought that list was, was kind of interesting. And uh, I dig it. I think it's cool. St. Brown, Hutchinson, and Sewell, you got yourself some young pieces all on their rookie deals, all making big contributions. And you're going to have to pay all three of those guys, which means likely a guy like Jonah Jackson or others may be having to walk soon just because you can't pay everybody. So I wanted to uh, read that off to you, and we just uh, did that here. Thanks to our friends at PFF. All right, coming up next, Dan Campbell spoke this morning before uh, OTAs and practice. We'll tell you what he had to say. And uh, there's a new coach coming to town. What does this mean when you look at the Lions in the big picture? I'll explain coming up next. First, though, NBA Finals starting tonight. You got Denver. You got Miami. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim that no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything. Over-under on points for Jokic. Total points in the game. Three-point shots made. All of that stuff. The point spread, the money line, everything else. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your shot at that no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. All right, so Lions are working out and practicing uh, today at OTAs. We'll kind of give you a rundown on that tomorrow. A um, couple of things that Dan Campbell had to say today. There's been some talk, and now it's been confirmed, that David Montgomery, the Lions' brand-new running back, of course, they signed in free agency away from the Chicago Bears, uh, has a minor injury, had to leave practice the other day. Um, no long-term concern, but will not practice today. Same thing goes for Malcolm Rodriguez. But again, the good news is no long-term concern. Then I saw this. Sound like Don Shane. And he said this. Rest in peace, Donnie. Um, Levi Onzerike is running on the side again. But there are no plans to bring the defensive tackle back before training camp. Campbell says the hope is that Levi returns at some point in camp. 
I thought Levi Onzerike was going to be ready for minicamp in a couple weeks. Mandatory minicamp. Now they're saying the hope is that he's going to be ready for training camp? <sighs> I think I'm ready to throw in the white flag. I think I'm ready to throw in the white towel on Levi Onzerike. I had said on this show weeks ago, Onzerike sounds like he's doing well, progressing from the back injury. They've got some slots open for nose tackles, interior defensive linemen to get an opportunity to play. All right, this team is loaded with edge rushers. Loaded. Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston, Charles Harris, Romeo Okwara, Julian Okwara, Josh Pascal, John Kaminsky. I mean, it's they're, they're, they got zillions. Aiden Hutchinson, did I say him? I mean, a lot of edges. A lot of guys that can get to the quarterback. Heck, uh, Trevor said it the other day, Derek Barnes has rushed the passer in his day. And on the interior, it's like, all right, Broderick Martin, Aline McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, Pascal could play a little inside, Kaminsky could play a little inside, Christian Covington. But I think they thought Onzerike and that back would be better by now. To hear Dan Campbell say today, well, he's running on the side. The hope is that he'll be back at some point in camp. I mean, this guy just may never may never do it. It just may be an injury that is too debilitating and he just can't, can't get past. Last year, the way the Lions handled it and the way Campbell spoke about it were not real positive on Levi. Now, again, if he's really hurt, he's really hurt. But I thought that was kind of interesting. It remains not very positive, the report I own, on Onzerike. It's, again, Part of that second round jinx, and we hope that it's not there this year, that the Lions seemingly go through year upon year when it comes to the draft. It's crazy how that works. Hopefully that's not the case for like Sam Laporta, but this would give opportunities to Covington, Martin, and others. And again, it depends on the package. It depends on where you guys li- where some of these guys are lined up, especially on third downs, where last year there were times Kaminsky was inside. Even Hutchinson lined up inside when you had James Houston on the edge or you had Charles Harris out there before he got hurt or O'Quara when he came back in that Jets game and had a couple of sacks. There's going to be an odd man out, like a Julian O'Quara or somebody is going to be let go. I'm not sure what spot Julian will sort of um, be labeled at and where he's going to play. Lions already, we know, have a bunch of interior linebackers that they have to fit into the scheme, but... To hear the story of Onzerike, it's not even working out yet. I mean, we've been at this now for three years with him and the back injury. Maybe it's just a guy that is so dinged up and the back is so bad that he'll never, never get there. I don't know. But uh, disappointing, certainly, to see that today. By the way, Ben Johnson wore a T-shirt today that had a picture of Aaron Glenn on it, duct taped to his shirt. So... The Lions continue to just slap it up by putting pictures of themselves or their friends on their shirts. Dan Campbell's worn a Brad Holmes shirt. Brad Holmes has worn a Dan Campbell shirt. Now Ben Johnson jokingly put a picture of Aaron Glenn on his chest. The Lions are fun. <laughs> they're, they're slapping it up down there at 222 Rodwood Drive, aren't they? All right, new coach in town. What does this mean for the Lions I found this to be interesting. There's a nugget on there 
which is similar to what Detroit did. We will talk about that coming up next. All right, so if you missed it late last night, as first reported by James Edward Shams Charania from The Athletic, Woj at ESPN, Pistons have a new head coach. It's Monty Williams, who's reportedly getting six years and $78.5 million, $13 million a year, making him the highest-paid coach in the NBA. Uh, there were reports that Williams turned the Pistons down numerous times, maybe wanted to take a year off from coaching after being fired by the Phoenix Suns. Yet, he's reportedly coming to the Pistons as the highest-paid coach in the league. Now, Pistons owner Tom Gorris, or Tom Gore, um, he has uh, he's breaking the, broken the bank before. He paid for Dwayne Casey. He went out and paid for Stan Van Gundy. He did backflips to try to get Blake Griffin in here, and that happened, and gave him a, a fat contract. So it's not like ownership there has not done this before. In order to get Monty Williams, you had to overpay a little bit. I like it. Good coach will help the young players. He got six years. You know who else got six years? Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell got six years because the Lions were such a bleep show when he took over. I don't think the Pistons are in as bad of shape now. And the Pistons have been bad. Don't get me wrong. They've not had any success this decade. I think they have the longest streak of Play, uh, playoff drought of wins, playoff wins. They've won a playoff game in years. Last few years they've been in it, swept. So, but I don't think the, I think when the Lions took over, it was you got to give Dan Campbell six years because it's going to take the first couple of years to really rebuild this thing. The Pistons have some young talent. They're bad, don't get me wrong. They're the worst record in the league last year. But Cade Cunningham missed the whole season. You were asking Jay Nivey to play a position he never played before. You had a lot of young players out there. Bogdanovich, who was like a veteran presence, got hurt. Um, but I found it interesting that Monty Williams got six years. I think it's going to take longer for the Pistons coach to get the Pistons where they want to be in his first year than it will for the Lions. It's just how it works in the NFL. There's more parity in the NFL. Uh, rebuilding takes less time despite what some organizations will tell you. Don't forget when the Carolina Panthers were like two-win team, three-win team the next year with Cam Newton and uh, I believe John Fox and all those guys, they went to the Super Bowl. All right, you can turn it around pretty quickly in the NFL. Look at the division that the Lions play in. They went from last year at this time being a laughingstock, 3-13-1 team, to now one year later, Vegas has them winning the division. Nobody's going to pick the Pistons to win, when do they play in the Central Division of the NBA this year or next year? All right, they're ways behind Milwaukee, Cleveland, Chicago, teams like that. But it gives you some perspective. Number one, as how at how well the Lions have done so far. But number two, six years for Monty Williams is similar to what Dan Campbell got. But I also think there's going to be more pressure in year one to see some major steps forward by the Pistons than there was for the Lions. I think the first year for Campbell was a wash. Just fuel the team, fix the culture. Williams does have to fix the culture downtown. But he's got to win 35, 36 games this year. It can't be in the 20s again. There were no expectations put on the Lions in Dan Campbell's first year. 
So I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective. Both guys got six-year deals. All right, that'll do it for this Thursday edition of Locked On Lions. Thanks for making this your first listen, checking us out wherever you get your podcasts. We are back again tomorrow on a Friday edition. Thank you, everybody, and thanks to the everydayers who always check us out.